2: Hello and welcome to a special edition of the New Statesman podcast. Yes, we thought we'd sneak another one in before Christmas. I'm joined by Barbara Speed and Stephen Bush to discuss what else? Star Wars. Um, Be warned that there probably will be spoilers. There will be spoilers, right? Oh, definitely. No point otherwise. Okay, so if you haven't seen the film yet, um, well, you're very lazy. You should have got around to it already. I can't help you. Um, Stephen, I'm going to ask you to do something very unfair to start off with, which is give me a score out of 10 for the film.
3: An 8. I'm giving it an 8 out of 10.
2: Barbara, would you quibble with that 8?
4: I would probably give it a 7. But then again, I'm not a huge Star Wars fan. But I'd probably give it a 7 because I think it was very accessible. So I don't think you had to be a huge fan to love it.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think I would probably... Yeah, I would give it somewhere else. Because as I was watching it, I was thinking, this is a very, very well-made film. Like, this is doing a lot of heavy lifting. It's bringing a lot of people back in. It's ticking off lots of moments you want to see. You know, everybody in the cinema was very excited to see the Millennium Falcon again. Um, you know, very excited to see Han and Leia have a conversation again. But it that it it had so much work to do. I don't know how you feel about this, Stephen. That I felt that that left it. It didn't have any time to do any character work. It left it feeling oddly characterless.
3: Well, I mean, it it is a part one of a trilogy, and it has all of the limitations that part ones always do. I mean, I think. A lot of it lives or dies on how good the 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 next one and the one after that turns out to be, um, because it it had to do a lot. It had to kind of give us the crowd pleasing sort of. It had to pass the the baton on quite literally. It had you have the passing of the of the Millennium Falcon from Han Solo to to Ray. Uh, it had to introduce the new Core Three, and I suppose arguably it kind of failed at that because Poe Dameron the the pilot. Uh, doesn't really have that many scenes other than Nate giving Finn his name.
2: Yeah, I thought that was a really underusing of Oscar Isaac. So Oscar Isaac is a is a fantastic actor. So he's been in two things that I've seen this year. So Ex Machina, first of all, where he plays a kind of unbearable tech billionaire, really kind of entitled bro, uh, and he looks really great in that. And last year, I think it was the end of last year, was he was in the Coen Brothers Inside Lewin Davis, which was not a film that I particularly liked per se but he had to do a part where he had to you know sing as well as basically a you know Dave Van Ronk he had to be somebody you could imagine almost making it as a as a singer and he had to act in you know a fairly low key film that was intensely focused on him and in both of those he is fantastic and here he gets two three decently decent scenes really he gets sort of like he gets one decent scene and then like a bit of a high five and that's kind of all the legwork he gets to do
4: he gets that kind of um cliffhanger excitement though of the this idea that you think he's been dead for the entire film and then he's not and there's a kind of emotional kind of currency
2: in that scene i suppose um, but that's interesting because that's also about how much this film was so weighted by, and you had to read it with the expectation of of knowing in the sense like you know that these people have signed up for multi year deals right mm, that's yeah. i think that's so that was one of the interesting things to it takes away some of the suspense when you know that certain things kind of can't happen which is why spoiler I know we spoiler alert but which is why I was very pleased in a way that Han Solo died because it did feel it wasn't quite the kind of Game of Thrones Ned Stark moment but it did feel like okay at least we are going to make some yeah some unexpected choices here
4: for a children's film what is essentially a children's film it, it is quite a brave decision I because he's such a uh, he's such a core cool part of the other trilogies that or one of the other trilogies. The other trilogy, yeah. The only trilogy
2: yeah. that Stephen admits exists. No, no, no okay. I, I'm yeah. not one of those people. No, I listened but back it's... to your Harry Potter and you, the Harry Potter podcast, and you literally said the films that don't exist.
3: Okay, it turns out I am one of those people. <laughs> Although marriage has changed me because uh, because my wife is is not actually insisted that we not only buy but we rewatched all of the prequels in in advance of watching *Falls Awakens*. She is less orthodox than I am. She actually quite likes... I mean, she prefers the original films. So, um,
2: small shout-out to um, Alex Hearn of the Guardian Tech Weekly Podcast, who used to work here. He says there's such a thing as the machete edit um, of Star Wars, and it's the idea that... Obviously, what do you do now if you want to start? You don't want to watch them in order like one, two, three, four. So you don't want to watch the prequels, and then you don't want A New Hope and the other three, because you will then watch those last four in the knowledge that Darth Vader is Luke's father. So actually, you should watch four, five... And then two, three, and then six. And you should never bother watching the Phantom Menace because the feeling is that there's nothing in the Phantom Menace that is necessary, that is referred back to in the other films.
3: So I I'm I'm a sceptic about Machete Order. Um, to continue my role in the podcast of being the person who generates angry emails um, for a couple of reasons. One, I think Barbara's exactly right. It is a children's film. It's what I I like about Star Wars. It's a fun, I'd say it's a very good family film in the way that the best Disney films are. They have something for the adults and the children. And my fear with this was I wasn't sure how much other than perhaps BB-8 there is for watching children in this film. I, I fear perhaps it could could drag a little bit. Although, of course, one of the things in it does very well is the expectation for most people who have happy challenges is your parents will forgive you and everything will be fine. And what is clever about Han's death, I kind of assumed he would die because mm. he's just a little bit too cool. and so. Though he's... Well, let's
2: also put it out there that he maybe was a little bit geriatric.
4: But I, I think there's another important thing, which is that he, killing him off kind of demonstrates that they were willing to cut off some of the types, because I think the whole film is this weird tension between these new characters and then this constant, constant people popping up who you're meant to recognise. And as someone who's seen the other films but quite a long time ago, I found that's a little bit stressful because you're kind of thinking, do I need to know who these people are? Like, yeah. um, And I think that that is an interesting move because it shows that the importance is now on those children, though that younger generation who were introduced to for the first time.
2: But my problem with that, with, with Han's death, was that I didn't feel that there was that I had enough time to sort of really be upset about it. Hmm. And I guess I, I've spent talking to people who were much more moved by it because they had already came to it with much more invested in the relationship But it was kind of... It happened in the middle of a... You know, unlike the... uh, Tell me if I'm wrong, but the scene between Luke and Vader is basically the end of the film, isn't it? That kind of climactic scene. It is properly used as a revelation and a climax. Whereas this kind of happened, like... And Chewie went, right, fired his bowcaster. And then they kind of had to keep moving on with the... With the rescue. And then there's one moment where Leia kind of looks sad in the control room. But you, there, there isn't, it isn't kind of used as the emotional apex of the yeah, film. it's not Dumbledore's but, death, which it kind of should have been.
4: But
3: it's also... It, it, it's about... It's a given, I think, about the level of emotional weight as Obi-Wan Kenobi's death in, in, in A New Hope. When once again, it's the middle of an escape from a base. Except, yeah, he, his, his body vanishes in, the, in one case into the pit. In another case, because he becomes one with the force. I wasn't overly uh, moved by it. And I suppose that is arguably one criticism of it, But I think I find my, my viewing of that scene very hard to detach from the fact I might expect... There was a moment when I kind of thought, oh, they're going to have to kill you off. And I think it was about... It was basically almost immediately after he'd been introduced and he's running around shooting the Rath Tars, the weird E.T. alien things. And I just thought...
2: The sort of giant squid
4: things. The
3: giant squid things. And it's just like, but you can't have this character around overshadowing... Yeah, the other one,
4: and he's stealing all the oxygen, which doesn't really fit with the coal kind of
2: vibe of this film. Mm. Yeah, I think that was the problem: was that he was just too. He was walking away with every scene, and you were kind of like, "Oh, can't we just have a scene about the old roguish mm. sea dog kind of going around doing stuff?" Um, from a sort of feminist perspective, Barbara, how did you feel about Ray? Because people are getting very, very excited, much as they did mm. when Mad Max came out yeah. earlier, about the fact that you've now got a female action hero.
4: I think it's important, and I, I mean, I don't see that they could have done anything else. I mean, um, one of our colleagues was pointing out that the three casting agents on this film were apparently all women, um, which does, I think, show through. It does sort of bludgeon you with its <laughs> alleged feminism. So she, from the very first scene, she won't be touched by. Yeah, don't um, take. A man. Get rid of my She hand. won't be helped. She does mechanics. She's a bit weird and geeky. And although those things are obvious, I just I do think they work. Um, and especially again, it's for a younger audience. They need things to be spelled out for them. And I think from that point of view, she's quite a good heroine and she's a bit sulky. She's not kind of charming and smiley. I think, and I think I like, that's good. I yeah. think
2: the thing I like most about her is that she's self-reliant. I mean, I know um, she's very passive in this film because sort of things are happening to her, but she you get the sense that, you know, even if her family never came back, she would carry on eking out that really difficult existence. You know, she's yeah. not... She's Unlike Padme or unlike, you know, Leia originally, she's not a, a princess. Yeah. She is, I, know,
3: She does have the problem of star wars protagonist so far and because so much of the plot happens to her she has less sort of depth to her but you know she does also get to chop up adam from girls in- but like she
2: that. doesn't have to make a defining choice does she she's sort of at the moment we haven't really seen it. so finn has had a moment where he has ha- he has made a choice you know he chooses not to fire his weapon he chooses not to go isn't he chooses- her defining
3: choice not to sell bb-8 but does she
2: know what BBA is at that moment? Or does she think, well, maybe this droid will be more useful to me than I think the, she's the money? she's just empathetic,
4: isn't she? So she's, I Because also there's this underlying thing in Star Wars, isn't there, where the way they interact with the robots kind of shows how nice they are. Whether fact, they give them agency and allow them to be
2: kind Yeah, there's of a screenwriting like thing are. called Save the Cat, where if you want people to like your protagonist, you make them save a cat. Yeah. In and the, so she in the did, end, yeah. So she saves the droid, I guess. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
4: Um, she also makes a decision to go with them, and it's very clear that she does decide to do that because she has very strong reasons wanting to stay and I think that the conversation where she kind of barters with Han Solo about this job because he he kind of is it as an old sexist and then is convinced by her because she's good with a wrench or whatever um, and that's quite a nice a nice interplay of the kind of the old world of the other films and then this new kind of feisty female character which does again I think work quite um,
3: well and Ray and Finn uh, actually I, have to say, I think do they not have the an identical character arc in the the, Finn's sort of moment when we realise that he's, you know, heroes when he doesn't join in with shooting the villagers at the beginning and then raises is when she doesn't sell BB-8 and she, you know, she um, stops him being scrapped for parts and then they are both given an opportunity to be heroic again which they run away from. So Finn wants to escape to the Outer Rim and then changes uh, his mind uh, and then obviously tries uh, to fight uh, um, Kylo Ren but we kind of know right from the beginning that he is going to get owned. He is just not mm-hmm. anywhere near his equal. Um, and But he kind of redeems himself with that heroic act. Ray, the lightsaber, calls to her. She runs away from it. And then she comes back to defend her friend Finn um, from this, this big scary villain. And she doesn't just uh, try. She succeeds in beating him off. Yes, because he's injured. And you assume he'll come back having completed his training and be more powerful and scary in the next one but it's um they have the same i would say the same arc um but that might be because i'm already becoming like a fin a ray shipper
2: and that's no bad thing to be the other thing i think i'd probably give a shout out to um is the special effects in this film which i know that they did a lot of them with models rather than cgi and i think you can really tell because you don't get that kind of totally weightless these aren't mm. you know you the things for example the um What the kind of new cantina that has the kind of look of a temple about it, that looks really great and solid. And when that's destroyed, you actually, you you really feel that that's, and I think the new weapon looks really great. Although I've had many conversations at home about how you can't like, how many suns can there be? What is the, if it's a planet and they drain the sun, what is it orbiting? (laughs) Yeah. There's been a lot of quite tragic conversations about physics that have eventually devolved to like, it's magic space. It's space magic. Um... Um, uh, one one other question I want to ask, which is, who do you think Ray is? Can we make predictions that we can look back on in a couple of years' time and go like, oh, imagine if, uh,
3: what it was like before we found out that Ray was Chewbacca's daughter? Um, so I, I, I actually, so my instinct at first was she had to be Luke's daughter, but then I liked the idea of her actually being Snoke's daughter, and perhaps and that's why she's been hidden um, on on Jakku. Uh, in that bit when she's she's told to wait. I think that's quite a nice idea. Um, but it feels likely to me that... And that has a nice symmetry in that Kylo Ren is born from the light but turns to the dark. If she's born from the dark but turns to the light, that's quite a nice uh, echo. I also want to, just in case only tiny off chance it is right, I want to get my Snoke prediction out here. Uh, I, I hope, partly because I thought the special effect was a bit pants... Um, that it turns out that Snoke is actually a Wizard of Oz style figure and he doesn't really look like this this large, terrifying hologram. And then the, the reality is actually something much less impressive. Uh, I think that would be quite interesting.
2: I sort of wish he ends up looking like Michael Portillo on Great Continental Railway Journeys in just a pair of great coloured mm. slacks. And yeah. then there was like, I was never going to get taken seriously yeah. in the evil villain business in these slacks. Yeah. Um, I do think there was actually that, the, the reference to him, he looked a bit Voldemorty to me. And there was a problem that Kylo Ren with the he- the dark hair and the long sort of frock coat looked very Severus Snapey. Mm. So this is the other internet fan theory that's going around, is the idea that is Kylo Ren an undercover agent and actually he's been playing a kind of double game.
4: Well, also, I my theory of Rey ties into this in a way I haven't seen elsewhere yet. Um, so I assumed all the way through that she was Luke's daughter and just for some reason thought this had been explained and then was told this was actually a wild theory. Um, but part of this is that when Kylo Ren is talking about going to Jakku to get her to to get the droid back he kind of sets this weird challenge where he says go in there unarmed and then someone says to him something like don't let your personal things affect your decision making and then he clearly knows who she is there's another reference to him knowing who she is and then he says this girl who when he meets her he says this girl who I've heard so much about so I think he knows that she's his cousin and tr- has been trying to protect her in some way. Because to say go into this planet without any weapons is kind of a bizarre challenge to say. It doesn't make any sense unless he is trying to protect someone there.
3: And when he hears they met a girl with a ship on Jakku, he's like, a girl? He clearly knows who the girl The girl is, so there's clearly...
4: And also, I think he would have said something to his overlord if it was his daughter. There is another theory as well, which is that
2: Skywalker functions in the same way as Snow does in Game of Thrones. So it's your generic name for an illegitimate child. So that's why, you know, if you don't know who your parents are, you just get Skywalker as a surname. But it's really interesting, obviously, because... But
3: but his aunt and uncle are called... Lars and Beru are also, uh, and they also are They workers? are also skywalkers, okay. and Anakin is a skywalker.
2: But then, did Anakin know who his parents were?
3: But we presume he does in the first in the in the first film. No, well, I think that that theory, that theory is, is whack. Sorcery! It's crazy. It should be burned <laughs> at the stake. I didn't like it at all.
2: Um, where would you like it to go in the next film? What do you want to see, Stephen?
3: Um, I think. I mean, one I would like. Ray to get together with either Finn, or I would like Finn to get together with Poe Dameron. I thought they had a nice kind of like Top Gunny style vibe. You know that bit when they see each other again, they pat each other on the arm. Um, uh, I so, would
2: love mostly. I would love that for how like uh, the actual conniptions that would cause across.
3: Just the explosion of. I mean the explosion of. Anger from a certain type of Star yeah, Wars fan would be able to power the west coast yeah. of America from the angry, like. But and also would...
2: the fact, presuming like, there's got to be so much chipping of them already, there's going to be so much slash fix. So it's going to be, that would be, that would usher in like the nerd apocalypse, basically. Like Gamergate would look like a sort of minor, you know, tiff over breakfast. Um,
3: I think I would like the lightsaber fights to be a bit better. That was, I don't know, it's just something kind of.
4: But they were kind of, they were amateurs. That was kind of the point. He couldn't be very good because she couldn't be good because she'd never done it before. So presumably if if kind of training comes into it in the next films, that will be, they will be better.
2: I would like, I thought the space, I thought the space fights were good, but I did think that the space, it was too much a rerun of the air conditioning duct in the Death Star. So I think I would like to see You know, given that the references to them were, you know, things like the Dam Busters and World War II dogfights, you know, there are lots of other kind of great things that you could you could do with that. So I think a a good a good space fight is good, Uh, like maybe an ice planet. We kind of did have an ice planet, I guess, but what do you think? Um, I really like all the sort of dynasty stuff that's almost a bit Harry Potter esque.
4: That obviously it came before Harry Potter, but um, all, that the idea that all these things are kind of buried in history and then they kind of pop up again and everything's related. I kind of like that side of it. Um, so I wouldn't. It, I think it would be kind of disappointing if Ray was just random.
3: Oh yeah, it's. I do like that kind of sense of families and returning yeah. and you know I've seen the same eyes in different faces. I hope we see more of Mas Kanata again. I thought she was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. She was the kind of uh the oh, uh, the Peter Youngo's character. Yeah.
2: Yeah, no, yeah. I thought she was very good when she did kind of good I like the eye the eyeglasses thing that she mm. did. That was quite fun. Embedded in her wrinkles. And I thought Gwendolyn Christie did a reasonable job with what was an extremely like generic evil bastard bee, basically. And I presume it's she's coming back.
3: Yeah, Kathleen Kennedy has said she's coming back and I think I mean Oh, actually, I think one of my favourite villain dynamics, which I think very few of the reviews seem to have touched on, is the kind of gentle, um, kind of, covetching at each other between General Hux. Is it Hux? Someone will email to correct me. Um, is
2: that Donald Gleason's character? Donald
3: Gleason's character and, uh, and Adam from Girls playing an even bigger villain than he does as Adam from Girls. Bum, 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 bum. Yeah, I just love their kind of sort of gentle negging of one another. So that wonderful bit when yeah. he's like, my troops aren't aren't trained in hide and seek. Well what are they trained in? Treason? It's just like he was just the kind of wonderful like kind of this you know, like they're slightly Statler and Waldorf of the dark side thing.
4: I did enjoy the smashing up of stuff when um Adam got angry. You're just um, gonna refer
2: to him as Adam Guffen Girls. Yeah, well it's much easier for me.
4: That's more my more the target demographic for that. Um but, but and that that's kind of the best counter actually to the argument that he's this kind of double crossing super villain that he just literally it's can't time. keep his temper with even tiny things that have gone wrong so i think that the kind of adolescent gone way off the rails is a slightly more convincing
2: you've just made me yeah. think that maybe there'll be a bit like where he's like sitting with his helmet on like strumming a guitar on his yeah. bed but, and the next one but i don't that want me, any dinner
1: mom but that is based... <laughs> i'm not
2: hungry <laughs> okay i'm gonna ask you the, a difficult question to finish which is is it your favorite film of the year now that we are at the end of the
3: year I think of its genre. I think of the kind of, of the films that I'll watch again when I just want something. Then when I've yeah, I want something easy that I can watch after dinner. Then I'll just like leave feeling quite cheery and like oh the goodies. win. I think it's probably the best film in that genre. I thought it was comfortably better than Avengers 2 or Ant Man or any of that genre of film. And I think probably. The best film. It feels a bit churlish to compare it to the Lobster because the Lobster was very good, but I I, I wouldn't say say you know when I got home my oh, wife had a hard day should we watch the Lobster again? Yeah, like, it's, it's hard
4: to compare. Isn't yeah, it? yeah. Um, but I think that I mean to me I've been told this is rubbish, but to me this scene quite influenced by the Hunger Games, um, and I think the sort of way the young characters were played were quite derivative of that. Which is a good thing because I think the Hunger Games did really redefine kind of young adult films. And I think that maybe I think the Hunger Games is slightly better. Just because it allows itself to be darker than... Well, some of the Hunger Games. Some of the Hunger I mean, so... The original. Last, yeah, the final one, I think. was
2: Okay. Because, I, yeah, I think it's difficult to make it... I think you can probably only compare like with like. But mm. I think I would put it above Ant-Man, below the last Star Trek. But then I... am Oh, that is a terrible opinion. But it's got Benedict Cumberbatch in it. But it's an appalling It's got thing. Benedict Cumberbatch turned up to 11. They made him slightly bigger. It
3: also literally has that bit where, like, the J.J. Abrams turns to the audience and goes, I have utter contempt for you. When Alice Eve just takes off her clothes for no reason, which is basically, he might as well hold a card up going, hey, fanboys, I know what you like. You don't like plot. You like women. Go away. And he's just, no, Into Darkness is terrible. It's a terrible film.
2: Okay. Oh,
3: Days of Future Past, which was also this year, another really good, uh, fun escapist film. Uh, I think possibly it would be a close tussle between Force Awakens and Days of Future
2: Pop. What about uh, Live, Die, Repeat slash Edge of Tomorrow, which I'm not sure if that came out this year or if I just watched it on Netflix this year. The Tom Cruise film with the repeating time?
3: Uh, no, I just, I, I have no memories of Live, Die, Repeat. Oh, did, um, <laughs> did, did um, exist. the Wes Anderson?
0: Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well?
3: film. Did the Grand Budapest Hotel come out this year?
4: No, that was that
2: was
3: last year. Oh, I liked that. I would want to see so it's, it's not.
4: Oh, Wes
2: Anderson directed Star Wars though. Imagine that, like mm. little puppets and stuff.
3: I would lots
2: the, of paisley wallpaper inside the Death Star.
3: The one thing I think is a shame is uh, a lot of people sort of continually complain about Hollywood and remake. I think the problem with Hollywood and remakes is they don't do enough of Let's see what Wes Anderson does with Star Wars. Let's see what um so we've seen so many Spider-Mans, but they've all been the same Spider-Man. I would love to Martin see... Martin
2: Scorsese's Spider-Man. But
3: yeah, I, w- I would love to see what someone who mainly makes teen films. Yeah, I, Yeah, I'd love to see a John Green script treatment of of the amazing spider-man i yeah. think that would be quite
4: yeah we do it with music but films are so expensive yeah. that those games on. yeah
2: like 200 million dollars is a lot to go <laughs> It'd be really For a weird to see what they
4: this do, is isn't? why i would
3: be such a great billionaire and if there are any billionaires listening wondering who to bequeath to that my full name is stephen cooper kwashi sorry about the weird middle name bush and uh, just care of the new statesman any bequest you want to make to me
2: um, I think probably to finish that we should, like, instead of theme music, shouldn't we have the, shouldn't we do the Barbara, and, the
3: Barbara song? Should we sing, yeah. To, are we going to do it to the Imperial March or to the yeah, Star to the Wars theme? Winter,
2: Winter okay. Okay. So thank you uh, for listening, everybody. Happy Christmas and uh, Merry 2016.
3: Bar bar Barbara,
2: Caroline and I'm Anna and we host the New Statesman's pop
4: culture podcast Seriously. This week we talked about horror parody show Scream Queens, the film of the Alan Bennett play Lady in the Van and 90s children's dog themed TV show Wishbone.
2: You can find us at newstatesman.com forward slash s-r-s-l-y or on iTunes or on the podcatcher of your choice. been listening to the new statesman podcast presented by me helen lewis and produced by anna Leskowitz. you can find us every week at newstatesman.com forward slash podcast or on itunes our theme music is devil with the devil by the underscore orchestra licensed under creative commons